Welcome back to another episode of URC Unloaded. Uh, we are at the slightly earlier start time. We're not live today, and for good reason. Stevie, congratulations. You're in Turkey. Thank Talk you. us through. <laughs> Come on, lads. Just, Shanks, give us a laugh. Bit of, bit of pre-op nerves, is it, mate? You're I had to like in the waiting room. <laughs> Me, I, I feel like I'm in a waiting room talking to you two boys, to be honest. Uh, oh, John, you're smoldering then. Take two, because as always, Stevie had sound issues. But Stevie, you're not home. You are in Lanzarote. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, John. Um, it's crazy. Uh, 30 degree heat. Um, lovely, jubbly. There's a storm, Debbie, back home, um, which I'm glad I'm missing. So, yeah, good time with the family. The wee one's absolutely loving being in the pool and I'm loving drinking beer and eating packets of crisps. So it's been a good couple of days so far. What's your, what's your headgear, mate? What are you wearing on top of your head? Are you, are you more like bucket hat or are you like tightless golf hat? Swim hat. <laughs> uh, I actually That's went me. looking for a hat. I forgot to bring an old golfing hat with me the, the, the other day. So I went looking for one, but there's just too many fakes out here. I'm the real deal. Like, so I don't oh, want to be wearing any of the, any of the nonsense you find in the supermercados, you know? Oh, the supermercado, you can't hide money. Shanks, you are not in Lanzarote with Stevie. You are in Cardiff. No. Going to Hong Kong to give back to the game of rugby in return for money. Talk us through what you're up to. <laughs> All right, John. Corporate, uh, family. <laughs> it's work. It's, it's work. My livelihood. My kids got to eat. Um, yeah, I'm off, to, I'm off to Hong Kong. Speaking at the long lunch there. Uh, I've also got a little Q&A in Kowloon. So I am heading off there this afternoon. I've got to drive to London, which is the worst thing to get a flight. Um, but I have been sorted out on the plane, mate. Um, I'm like Mike, Matt Gitto. I'll be turning left. Always turn left. That's the key. Now, Shanks. pre ordered my food already. <laughs> what did you order? Anything good? A burger. <laughs> well, that leads me to my next question. Uh, have you weighed yourself before you've gone? No. Oh, God. I um, think we should be pre and post. I did have to wear a black tie the other day to an event, and I tried some trousers on. That's always the killer. Good. But I'm happy doing more leg weights, so I sort of put it down to that, maybe. Just muscle problem, is it? It's good. I should weigh myself. You're right. I should weigh myself. Um, I'll have to get some batteries for the scales, though. But part of me doesn't want to see what the results are going to be. Start next week. Yeah. Yeah, diet starts on Monday, mate. You know that. Yeah. What about you, John? How are you feeling, John, after your um, 80-odd minutes? Well, more than that, with Big Mike McCarthy at the weekend, fresh off a plane from Bermuda. How was that? <laughs> 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 Thanks for asking, Steve. Um, yeah, he was all right. He was rough. He was putting on a brave face. He was away with the is it the Bermuda, Bermuda Classics he was there with. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't even playing. I don't know how he got that one through with his missus. He wasn't playing. He was the tour manager for the who was ireland classics versus who they play he had two games i think they beat canada in the first game and then got stuffed in the next game but looks like a good trip no man he was rough as guts yeah, it's a good trip if you have to play rugby well yeah exactly yeah that's the only thing that gets in the way i've seen loads of boys have been on them and they say it's wicked laugh but you do have to play rugby which is the worst thing about yeah. it yeah. i got no i know there's no there's no way I'd do that. Would any? Would you boys do it? Never. No. Nah. Well, I say nah. no chance. I, for a, a nice fee, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd go there and be the only one getting paid. <laughs> yeah, it's not for me, lad. My back's gone again this week, so I'm I'm, I'm off it. Talk us, talk right. us through your um, talk us through your red hat on weekend, John. Uh, I wore a red hat. You've obviously got yeah. some feelings towards no. it. Why, why are you talking about it? <laughs> It's just, I just, I just don't think it went with your um, no your outfit. It's it's like it's like you're going to Disneyland with your kids, and if you get lost, just look out for me, kids. I'll be wearing a red hat. Do you know what? There's no there's no pleasing you for a guy with hanging dress sense. You give it out a lot as well. Yeah, did you see uh, he was wearing the same polo shirt over the weekend as he was last week in studio, John? <laughs> I messaged him. I've only worn it twice. Twice in two weeks. That's all the matter. Shane. <laughs> hey, once you find a good thing, boys, well, that's you know, stick at it. You know. Hey, well, guess what? After this, after this week in Hong Kong, you'll be able to afford some new ones. Um, 
let's move on because we have got flights to catch. Stevie's got to hit the pool. He's got his consultation with the surgeon, and we don't want to get in the way with that. So, some week, some weekend rugby. Hey, boys, right? End of rugby. Anyway, now we we have we do have a running order. We are slightly professional, but can we start with the zebra win? Yeah, well, I'm hosting, so when we get to it, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Who called it? I called it. I think someone else did. You did as well, Shanks or Stevie did. Yeah, Why I think did? so. I'm not sure. Can't remember. I probably did. Know what I'm like? Probably did. Um, twelve ten. I'll just check the yeah, score. Yeah. <laughs> I knew they won twelve ten, and I actually kept a reasonable a reasonable close eye on it because. I wanted I wanted Zebra to win. I've been desperate for them to win all year. We said in the show that last week can't be another year without a win. And no. three rounds in, four rounds in. There we go, lads. What do you think? It's unbelievable. They're better. They're better. Like their their basic skills are better. They're looking after the ball a lot better. Um, there's not as many unforced errors as there were defensively. They seem a, a a bit better, even though they leaked a few tries. They they were pretty good on the weekend. They only leaked one um, against the Sharks. It was a pretty well worked try actually. But I tell you, Priest Cantelli, lads, yeah. he's looking good. Like nailed all his kicks, and they just dug in and dug in. And they, there were tears after the match. That's what it meant to them because they didn't win a game last year in the URC. They won one the year before. So this is absolutely massive for them. Um, you just hope now they can kick on. I mean. Who would have called that? Two Italian wins, four Welsh losses. Yeah, I would have called that. (laughs) Yeah, it was was funny. I listened to uh, Jamie Lyle's commentary and his last words uh, after the final whistle were, ladies and gentlemen, Zebra Parma have just won a rugby match. (laughs) It was like, geez, has it been that long since they won a game? Um, it was incredible, as you said, Shanks. The boys were in tears at the end of the game. I actually thought it was going to be like a really high scoring game, like because obviously Zebra have can shipped a lot of points. We know that the Sharks can score a lot of points, but they've been shipping a handful as well. But yeah, it was a real dogged effort from Zebra, and it's brilliant for the league, lads. Brilliant. Mm. Can you imagine? I reckon they'll be crap this week, Zebra. Can you imagine the mm. piss off? Can well, they've got Cardiff at home, which is oh, they'll be fine then. They'll be fine. <laughs> which is not yeah. a bad one. You know, you you do want like a a nice fixture after that. You know, you, you wouldn't want to have Leinster away, would you? You want another home game, something you can build on. Uh, be a big one for Richard Hodges as well, who's gone over there as defence coach, formerly of Cardiff. So, um, as much as back I to want... back wins for Zebra, <laughs> imagine well, first time in their history. Is actually. It might be. I, I'm not actually sure, but I, I would like is. to go through the archives to see when they last won two home fixtures back to back. It would be flip. Where's Ben? Ben, come on, start typing. Mate, he's uh, he's all over the shop this morning. Producer Ben's a bit tired. Had to get up early and start work at nine. Um, a word on sharks, though, lads. Missing internationals massively. Like what a bad start. I, do you know? What I think I think that the sharks and the stormers. Um, haven't really performed at the start of this campaign. And I think a lot of that might be down to just not being able to cope too too much without their their big dogs. Um they they just they just look off. They look off that they the sharks are making still a lot of mistakes. Um they don't look as clinical an attack. I bet they can't wait until the World Cup winners come back. I think you'll see a changed team then for both Stormers and Sharks. They're just a lot of errors in both teams at the moment. I know, but it's still, still a half-decent team and you go through it. It's mm. not bad. It's not yeah, bad. That's not too bad. You're right. It's not too bad. They're bottom of the table anyway. One bonus point, zero from four. Uh, the only way is up. The Sharks, you'd have to say. We won't dwell on that. Let's move on to Stevie's favourite team, Ulster. Ulster. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? It was. It was a game that wasn't particularly pleasing to the eye, but I gotta give Ulster credit once again, back to back weeks because they find a way to. I know they didn't win against Connacht, but they they played extremely well. But they find a way to to grind it out, being fourteen three, I think down or 
Um, those two Craig Casey tries, but the scrum was getting absolutely obliterated. Um, Eric O'Sullivan, Tom Stewart, Greg McGrath in the front row, um, just dominating. That's where the two tries came from, more or less, just penalties off those. And Munster didn't have to do anything, really, to, to get a 14.3 um, head start. But they were so poor after the break. I know there was a lovely try. I can't go past talking about that with the Billy Burns crossfield kick. Jacob yeah. Stockdale, the ball bouncing up lovely into his hands and, and him to get over once again. That's a good few tries so far. Where was Crowley, season, mate? But... Where was Crowley? That was poor defence from Crowley. Like uh, You could see he was... Yep. Yeah, one of the camera angles, Shanks, he was jogging around the back and it looked like oh. he was absolutely gassed. Like he was knackered and he was, he was sort of on a, a late run. And before he sort of looked over his shoulder, the ball had already been kicked and he just didn't have the gas to get out the, the, the Stockdale. But yeah, I, I was really impressed by how Ulster controlled the second half. Um, Nick Timoney try brought on the artillery off the bench. Ian Henderson, Rob Herring, big Dave Ewers, John Cooney, and, and that's what's seen out the game. And uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Rob Herring, 230th appearance massive. for Ulster now the, the leading the stats so yeah it, you know it was a, a game littered with errors but one that Ulster would be very happy to get out of dodge and get the four points is that the best combo 9-10 do you think Doak and Burns oh good good call that's a good it's a good question Shanks Nathan was very good off I think he just missed one conversion 11 points with the boot he's an extremely good box kicker I don't think he has the running game of Cooney in terms of the, the speed of getting to the breakdown just yet. He's a big lad. He reminds me a bit like Ruin Pinar, but he just glided around the pitch. Like Nathan's only a young fella. Um, so the more game time he gets, I think now they'll revert back to Cooney for a couple of games. There seems to be a bit of uh, resting already going on just because of the large block of games. So I think we'll see Cooney over the next couple of weeks, but he needs to up his game after being out with a, a calf injury. So, yeah... We'll see how that part like because Jake Flannery's played well as, as well, Shanks, yeah. you know, in mm. the number 10 jersey. And there's been question marks over Billy Burns. I know by you two lads as well over the last couple of seasons that he sort of missed in the form that he had in his first season at Ulster. So it's going to be an interesting couple of months to see how the 9 10 combos work out. Mm. I agree. I think uh, the scrum go absolutely pumped. That'll be a they're missing a few up front, aren't they? But they brought back, like you say, Henderson came back, yours was there, Herring came back. Monster still don't have. Obviously, who's not back there? Byrne, Snyman, uh, Omani, uh, Conor Murray. Anyone else to come back into that side? Zebo. Yeah, Zebo's to come back in. Mm. Yeah. Well, one thing that disappointed me about one thing that disappointed me about Monster John was that they got the. I know it was against the Dragons the week before, but they got the width really easily. Calvin Nash, man of the match. We were there. Commentary are working on it. And he was brilliant. He was hardly in the game, you know, and Sean O'Brien on the other wing hardly touched the ball. And, you know, Ulster seemed to get the width a bit easier, even though they maybe had to go back five, ten yards at times to get the width. But Munster just really, really struggled. And listening to Graham Roundtree's post-match interview, he was he was just, I think he was lost, actually, for the second-half performance, really, really disappointed and, and why they couldn't kick on. And it wasn't until the last five, six minutes of the game that we actually see that Munster can't, you know, shifted into another gear, but it was only desperation really that was was making them do that. So, you know, plenty to work on for them. I know what you mean with Nash, right? Because he he's one of their form players at the moment. If you don't play to your strengths, so you don't give these players ball, then you're not going to see anything. Like, remember when was it? It was um, who did England play in the third and fourth playoff? Argentina. Argentina and Henry <clears throat> Arundel like didn't touch the ball. The ball. And then leaves obviously they finish the world cup goes to Racing, scores three tries you know so these players can do it but you just got to give you've got to give them the, right, the ball in the right situation similarly with lewis free Samet, i think for wales um and, and maybe van der merver john for for edinburgh yeah. because at the weekend like he was brilliant and we've not seen that in the lewis free Samet got a new girlfriend shanks i've seen that in the paper there recently shanks will know this yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, now that you're an influencer, you work in the same line of work as his new missus, I think. So tell us more about her. Um, she was on Strictly Come Dancing. Um, oh, Saf Saffron, her name is, I believe. Um, she's got 1.8 million followers and they very much seem in love. 
That's nice, isn't which it? Which is which is lovely, yeah. And and one day, Stevie, you will have that feeling. I'm sure. I, 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 I bet you. I, I can see it. I can see it. You'd be doing fine, I reckon. Um, we'll move on then, lads. Cardiff, Shanks, you mentioned a zero from four for the Welsh sides. Cardiff 12, Bulls 18. Mm. Big win for the Bulls. Yeah, it was a big win. Um, I was actually quite happy with the way Cardiff played. It, it was only sort of, that, that's the blueprint of how they want to play. Um, they got the ball wide. They used um, they used out the back a fair bit to sort of move it away from the big Bulls pack. They matched them physically. Um, they had enough territory, they had enough possession. They just couldn't do enough with it. There was a set-piece move off the right-hand side and similarly to how Argentina scored against Wales right at the last minute, but this ball went on the floor rather than intercepted and the Bulls just scored. You know, you're just giving points away there. You're giving seven points away. And there was an instance on the right-hand side when Harry Millard broke and he couldn't link, um, end up throwing the ball on the floor. He actually had a good game, Harry Millard, on the right wing. Um, as did Willis Hallahollow, who was his 100th appearance. It was real sweet and nice that um, his family came out with him um, and he led the team out because obviously this time, well, end of last season, he didn't have a club and he was injured with, I think it was a, a hamstring rupture or it could have been an Achilles rupture, one or the other. Um, but he, him and Ray Lilo looked really good in the in the centre. But you just got to do more with the ball when you've got that much possession and territory. And they didn't. There was 15 unforced errors from Cardiff. And, and that was the biggest difference in stats. You know, the Bulls had six unforced errors. Cardiff had 15. Uh, and it was a close game. But I think I think you, you'll take as many positives as you can from that game because they weren't hammered. They weren't destroyed by the Bulls. And they put up a good fight. And it's they're just not quite there yet. And Bulls are decent as well. Top of the table. The yeah, they are good. They There's are no good. shame, and that's I think that's always the concern for the Welsh sides, isn't it? And jump in if you disagree, but when they come up against really big, powerful teams, they're yeah. going to struggle. Then that because that and that's a anyone disagrees that's that's a finance thing. You know, you pay for power in rugby. You pay to sign big, powerful, abrasive uh, players to have, have in your team. And Cardiff have got a few. You know, Hallahollow in particular, but they're lacking a bit of that. When you know, had Nick Williams playing there. Guys like that who can regularly punch over the game line. So, do you know who'd be good, John uh, and Stevie, for for Cardiff? And um, we obviously haven't got them because they've gone to to probably perceive better teams at the moment. Would be like Joe Joyce, who's gone to Connaught, and Dave Ewers, yeah, something like exactly. that. Bit of big power like that can just it can change you around. It, you know, it can it can shore up your, your line out defense drive. It gives you go for ball. It gives you a bit of bulk when you're driving. So. But these boys are these boys are hard to come by. You know they, they don't come around very often. So and and when you are a team that's down the bottom, yeah, you're not really going to attract players like that as a team that potentially might be winning silverware. Unless you can pay more. And Unless can. you can pay more. Exactly. So it's going to be. A Everyone's got a price. Who have the, who have they got to come back though, Shanks? Not many guys. That wasn't far um, off. No, not too many. Josh Adams, he'll come back. Falatau will come back. Turnbull will come back. Um, but you're right, there, there's not many more. You know, yeah. I think I think a lot of it is is in the hope that Tina Stabir sort of becomes the orchestrator. At the moment, he's, he's doing okay, but there's still some errors in there. I'm not overly fully convinced. He looks okay, but. There is still a few errors in in his game. You know, he's a little bit defensively, maybe, um, maybe a little bit of game management. But he is new to the club, and it, it does take a little bit of time. So you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, like you said, no, no shame in losing to the Bulls, who are flying at the moment. Um, we'll move on to Benetton Stormers, second Italian team to win on the weekend, twenty points to seventeen. Did you know a part? I read this might be absolute nonsense. Every game was uh, a one-score game. Apart from one. Oh, that could be close. I mean, it was a much better weekend of rugby, I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you do get that. You know, I thought the first week was good. Then maybe we went a little bit quiet. There was one or two good games. But it seemed like this weekend, nearly all the games were good because it was close all the way. Did you, Stevie, did you see, you might not have, um, Rhino Smith's drop goal just before half-time? Mate, monster. Yeah. Brilliant. Unbelievable. 
just on the stroke of halftime. Um, I think that made it 10 all, didn't it? Going in at halftime. 13 10 or 10 all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was tight, but yeah, monster, 50 meters. Rhino Smith has been, what a servant he's been to Benetton. Like, mm. a ridiculously good player. Um, obviously, Noah Moore for probably his counter-attacking ability. Um, but he's he's so durable as well. Very consistent place for them week in and week out. Um, seems to love it over there, the culture. And yeah, quality operator. Kanone as well was awesome. Um, I thought he was brilliant during the game. He had a huge part to play in uh, Benetton's try as well. So yeah, the, the Benetton are our side that when they pick up a bit of momentum that they're going to give any team a game. They they drew against Munster at home, and if they can keep their home record going pretty steady during the season, they will they will frighten a lot of sides. And you know these Irish. Italian internationals that are sort of filtering their way back into the team and, and playing very, very well when they do, um, you know, really up the tempo uh, and the quality for Benetton. So, yeah, I, I think I went with Stormers last week to get a result. I, I, I'm not sure what you boys think, but there's just a feeling inside that they're they're going to catch fire at some stage. Um, but we'll wait and see how that goes. Philip so will make a big difference, I think, when he comes back. He's a quality player. Like, whether you play him 10, 12, 13, 15, he's, he's amazing. Gallant was... You get good and bad with Gallant. Like, some, some of the stuff he, he does is brilliant. But, you know, when Garbisi put that kick through to, for Zanon to score, mate, what's he doing? Like, yeah. he's just completely switched off. Should never be a try. You've got that covered every day of the week. But it's like you... It's like you it was a bit lazy. Couldn't be bothered to get down, dive down on the ground, just try to boot it and yep. obviously messed up. So yeah, massive win, I think for Benetton, you know, Stormers, um, winners two years ago, finalists last year. Um, big scalp. Big scalp. If you go through their team though, it's a pretty decent team. You talk about right. We're talking about Cardiff there needing, you know, we're talking about power players, but players like a, a Smith who's, who's going to be there all the time and just fronts up, plays well, like you say, Stevie, Incredible servant to the club. You go through the team, it's not far off a full national side they're putting out. And mm. yeah, it didn't do very well at the World Cup, but they were they were showing signs in the Six Nations. And I agree. You know, Fekatoa plays played probably more games in his first few weeks at Benetton. They certainly did a Wasps and Bennett and a Munster. So he's enjoying yeah. the sunshine. But still, I mean, I think I think they'll be they're up in six at the moment. But you go through their back rows class with Negri, Lamar, and Canone. It's pretty much what it is the Italian back row. Fekatoa, yeah, Fekatoa, a dog who's there. It's just not bad. It's just like a pretty pretty yeah. strong ride. Um, I think it was Albanos who put the kick through, not Garbisi. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. He's he's a decent nine, Garbisi. Um, might see him partnering his brother a little bit more internationally. Let's move on to the next Welsh region who lost. Um, Osprey 23, Glasgow 31. How did did they lose this match? That's the bigger question. Discipline, John. Um, I thought they were were pretty good defensively in the first half. Um, But we know how good Glasgow's driving line is. So you can't give any penalties away really in your own half because... Chances are Glasgow going to go to touch, and probably every other time they get a driving line up, they're going to score. Now the Ospreys, they're used to giving away, I think, about three and a half penalties average per game in their own half. They gave away, I think, six, so they had double the opportunity Glasgow did uh, to what Ospreys have normally given away. So um, it was the two tries after half time um, from penalties, which allowed them back in. Johnny Matthew scored yet again. Um, like it, this guy, he's gonna have more tries than wingers. Like it's it's the new it's the new Great position place. to be. I think a hooker. You're five like it's tries. Ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. And then um, Violan, who scored as well from a driving line out again. That's what brought Glasgow back into it. Um, and I thought at one stage the Ospreys were going to win. Seventy-two minutes, they had a penalty, um, took the lead, but then straight after they give a penalty away within kicking distance. Um, Garen Phillips counter rucks, and it's quite difficult because when he counter ruck, whatever you do, you can't play the nine because he's not part of the ruck. But he does; he just knocks him enough, and the Glasgow nine just—it's like that. Oh, 
falls back. You've got to either pick up the ball or you've got to hook it back. Um, and Duncan Weir end up slotting the points. Then Tipperick gets yellow carded for a mistimed jump off the kickoff. He's down to 14 men. And then Glasgow score right at the end, which which I felt sorry for the Ospreys because I thought they deserved more than coming away with nothing. At least they, they wouldn't get a losing bonus point. But very similar to Cardiff, very similar to the Scarlets. Games that these teams, these three Welsh teams did enough to win. Did enough to win. But it's that extra sort of 5-10%, whether it's concentration, um, whether it's just just playing in the right areas, um, game knowledge, I'm not sure. Maybe a mixture of all. But fair play to Glasgow, mate. You know, they, they know what they're good at. They didn't play too much. They didn't play, as we thought, quick ball. They just ground out a win. No, I thought it was. I thought they were impressive. Again, you look at the team they're putting out. I think you all have games in a season where you're not playing your best, and Glasgow weren't at their best, and they played a slightly different brand of rugby at the weekend. But another bonus point win yeah. on the road, driving mall. It's almost a bit like Ulster last year. I think you know there's such a strength there. So big news coming out of Glasgow last week was that Ali Price had left, though. Yeah, yeah, huge. Didn't see that coming. No, no, no. You, you, What's the you thought process the right behind that, John? I, I, from what I've heard, he he was moved. He wasn't. It wasn't a choice. I think. Um, the SOU have driven that move, but the sounds of things, and they've got George Horn there, who um, will go away with Scotland, and obviously they can't have him and Ali going away with Scotland. So they've made that decision now to move them over. But then they, you move Ali to Edinburgh, where Ben Velikot's the co-captain. So how much rugby is he going to get? Ali wants to play lots of rugby, I understand, clearly. He, he finished the World Cup as Scotland's number one scrum half in the match against um, Ireland. He'd done enough to overtake Ben White, who's been the main man in the scrum half shirt for about 18 months now. And from what I understand, he basically said, like, how do I become, how do I hold on to the shirt? And Gregor said, you, you've got to keep playing. You've got to keep playing regularly. And I don't think that was going to happen at Glasgow, by the sounds of things. So he's, he's played about 150, 160 games for Glasgow. And... It's a strange, you don't see that move too often. So, how does, that work, John, in term, how does that work, John, in terms of like, so is it just a loan move and then Edinburgh loan. picking up the salary or is the SRU well, that, either, coming the in on that or, or how does that work itself out? Clubs are centrally owned. So, it's a, a, a I guess, a, I don't know the, the, the details of it, but the SRU are paying the wages one way or another. So, whether that shifts yeah. a bit of budget over, but Glasgow will need someone to to come across. You think? Um, Do you think, John? Um, you might get to the point where you need another team in Scotland. Uh, no, no. Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I that that's be, be if you speak to anyone that they'll say that. But where are they getting the players from? Where are they getting the budget from? That's South Africa. That's where you get the players from. <laughs> an island, an island. They could, they couldn't they? So I don't know. They had the borders there once upon a time. They had the Cali Reds when you were playing Shanks. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, there's just no, there's no budget. The teams are supported and propped up by the union. Um, yeah, it was only only because you know you don't want to see Ali Price leave Scotland, really. Um, but you also want to see him play. That's the, that's the point. I'm going well, that's. You know, and, it's mm. big news, well, not news really, but rumours going around that Blair Kinghorn's told the SU he doesn't want to stay. Um, he wants to in talks with Toulon. Ooh. I think that's a, I didn't really, I'd say it at the weekend actually caught me by, by surprise, but I think that's a great move for him. It is, but I also think on the flip side, you, you still want role models in Scotland and you still want your Scottish teams to do well. And it's a, it's a bit of a, and that's why we have the cap rule in Wales because. It's lowered now because budgets are gone. So I think it's 25 caps. But you don't want to lose all your players to um, different teams because the league will struggle, I think. And you, you want to be competitive as a team. And you, and you want fans to come and watch some of their big Scotland players play and get involved and have that buzz about it. If If you don't have that, then a lot of players will move and a lot of players will leave. And... The teams will struggle. But I mean, That's selfishly, I mean. selfishly, do you think he should move? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. <laughs> if there's if there's no reason why, completely. But 
I often think unions have to put in a place and uh, put in a position where players aren't allowed to, like Ireland do, like New Zealand do. You know, so, yeah. but there we are. There we are. Let's not dwell on the rumours too much. He might end up staying. Maybe it's all part of a plan. I don't really care. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, yeah, it'd be nice to see him over there. Um, you just don't care because he's not Welsh. Anyway, we're talking about another Welsh side losing. My old team, Scarlets. Yeah, what do you think? Again, they threw the game away. Yep. They try at the yep. end. Steph is a nothing kick. Steph Evans gets charged down. It almost comes off his it's shin or something. It's a terrible kick, mate. Like, he kicks that long, they're winning the game. I know. It's down to that. It is down to that. They were 23-14 up at one stage with 10 minutes to go. And it's just little things. Like, there's a box kick and Kieran Hardy tries to charge the box kick down. That's not his job. Like, his job is to... Because you know when you know when it's going to be box kick, don't you? Because the nine's yeah. taking his time. You know, there's a tiny little bit of a caterpillar. The nine then does a little dink over the top. There's no one covering, which would be a scrum half's normal job. Um, and the Lions recover the ball. They get three points then, which gets them within a score. And then all they've got to do is just clear that line with a kick. And unfortunately, that is the reason why they lost the game because of a poor, he wasn't under that much pressure. He just mishits it. And I feel sorry for him because, again, they did enough to win. I thought Tom Rogers was unlucky. Um, he got penalty against him, um, which allowed the Lions to get within one score. For I think he was not supporting his own weight. It looked perfect to me. You win some, you lose some in that in those instances. I do feel he was unlucky. But I felt for the Scarlets because, again, I thought it did enough to win. Johan Lloyd looked good. And his combination with Gareth Davis um, could be could be the Welsh 9-10 because we're struggling for 10s at the moment. Costello's out with a hamstring grade three, I think, and a shoulder issue. Um, Dan Bigger's retired. Gareth Anscombe can't play. Owen Williams is out. Um, Angus so Bryan is out. Um, he's in Japan and the, the, the way the league falls doesn't yes. coincide with Six Nations release. Okay, yeah. Mm. And would, would he be allowed to pick Jared Evans? Nope. Not allowed. Okay, no, there you go. Because he hasn't got 25 caps. So he's ineligible. So, yeah, it's um, there, there might be, I think there might be like a a severe circumstance or whatever. The, the title is where you can pick players out of um, out the laws of 25 caps. But I'm not sure what they will. But anyway, Johan Lloyd looked good, mate. And um, big, big opportunity now for him now to January to put some good games together because they'll look at him then, I think, as a potential starting 10. Let's wait and see. Yeah, I was, I was guided for Scarlet's actually. Yeah. Got a pretty good side, um, but couldn't get it done. I think Lions will shock a few teams this year. They're, they're hard teams to play against. They're good at the breakdown. They've got a good set piece. Not the flashiest of sides, but again, I just watched them and thought, Scarlet's, yeah, you must be inside the change room thinking, how do we Almost yeah. always, but probably worse than that in terms of how they contributed to their own downfall. Hi, yeah, yeah. Phil from Phil from massively because the, the there thereabouts those three Welsh teams and could have easily could have easily gone the other way. But they didn't. Um, the game I was on the weekend, lads. Edinburgh. Oh, what a game! What a game! What a game. Freezing, lads. <laughs> How cold, John? How cold? Can't even tell you. Mike McCarthy. Emma, looked like a, Emma looked like a caterpillar. <laughs> Mike McCarthy had like a Packamac on, didn't even have like a, a proper jacket. Just nothing. But he was from Bermuda, so he's fine. That was a class game. So much happened yeah. in it. Went back and forth. The first half was bananas, just end to end. Both teams running the ball. And then, as you probably expect, second half, they run out of steam a little bit. But it turned into a game of chess towards the end of the game. And... Uh, Jack Carty was kicking well. Uh, Connor were playing well, but then I gave man of the match to Ben Velikot. He came on 36 minutes. He played and he got man of the match. Yeah, um, must came have on, on that, John. No, <laughs> 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 I'm not allowed to bet. Um, but he was unbelievable. Like, how often do you see a guy come off the bench and get man of the match? And, and I actually asked the guy. I asked Mike, who was jet lagged. His opinion probably doesn't count, but um, asked Rory Hounds. I said, "Is this fair?" You know, can he be mad? He said, yeah. He came on, scored a great try, kicked the ball in behind Connor, 
put them in the right position. Quick tap for the try. Mate, he was class when he came on. So Joe was I, good. I, I, I win. Go on. Joe was good. Like Van der Merwe was good. Like that's the best game at he's last. had all season so far. Like yeah, at last, just looked hungry for it. Like the first time he he touched the ball, I think it, who was it against last week? Who did they play last week? Leinster. Leinster. First time he touched it, like he dropped it. You know, this time he's got a bit of space. He's so big and strong and linked really well for the Velicott try. Healy was good. Kinghorn was good. Mark Bennett, the way he linked for the try was just yeah. superb. That's exactly what you want from a centre. You'd want to die with the ball in that situation. You know, he cuts back inside. Then he goes back outside. So it turns the whole defence. He was good. But I felt like the first few games, Edinburgh have been a bit caged and they yeah. haven't really haven't really been able to play. This time it was like Sean Everett just said, boys, just go out there. Just go out there just and play. Just play to the width. Play to what you're used to doing because the, the previous games that, that I think they've been really tight and not not scared to throw the ball around, but just just haven't. You know, they've been they very different. I thought just I, look good, mate. I thought a, a draw probably would have been a fair result. I thought both teams played class. Um Connor, like John, you said over the last couple of weeks that you think they're maybe the real deal this this season and to come behind in, in the game, was it 14-3 or something? Um, they were down, came right back in, three second half tries. The key and Prendergast try. Um, he's good, Stevie. And, he's really good, Prendergast. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. He's a little, he was a little bit sluggish there last week, I thought, against Ulster, but he had a good showing this weekend. And then, obviously, the conversion was nailed. Uh, JJ Hanrahan, come on. But then it was a calamity. Calamity after that ball kicked off, knock or lost it forward, or it was an advantage of some sort. Then Connor actually defend really well for a minute or two. Then they get a knock on, they get the scrum. Um, Colum Riley, a shocking pass to JJ Hanrahan. JJ Hanrahan fumbles it, fumbles it, brought back into the 22. He kicks it long. Maybe a, a line out just outside the twenty-two. Oh no! Brought back into the twenty-two. So they had it. Edinburgh had a line out. What six or seven meters out? Penalty advantage. Didn't need it. Ben Healy stepped up, knocked it over. It just felt like Connor had done so much right in that second half. Like they really were. Big Joe Joyce. I know you mentioned him earlier. Shanks, a really really solid player, isn't he? Scored a nice mm. try. Very direct. Uh, and Connacht, for me, looked like the team that could regather the ball off the kickoff and maybe go up the other end and and. and get the decisive points to, to win the game, but just a couple of mistakes and, you know, they, they'll be fuming like they did so much well, or so many good things in the second half. But uh, unfortunately, a Ben Healy, former Irish man, um, to to seal the win for Edinburgh. But a great game, brilliant game. A couple, a couple of things. I think the, uh, the Connacht scrum was getting pumped at the end. It was getting absolutely drilled and they were getting the ball back. But I think that's what led to the, the sloppy pass from... Where Hanran drops it and end up kicking the ball out on the on the full. Uh, Connor are so hard to get the ball off. Like I was trying to find opportunities and Edinburgh were trying to get over the ball and um, Connor Boyle is is real good in that department. Plays open side, couldn't get a sniff on the ball. And you expect the way they play, it's going to open up sometimes an opportunity to get on the ball. They just look a bit more organised this year than they did last year, Connor. Um, they're able to actually back up the style of rugby they want to play with how they they work at the breakdown, but. Big decision, and I know the Connacht coaches where they were sat right in front of us, they were not happy with the Pierre Schumann yellow card. Yeah, um, he's tackled I'm not into sure. I think Pierre it was Schumann. accidental a little bit, Shanks. What's your thoughts? I don't I don't think it was a penalty. Like he, he stood there at guard. You're not you can't stand low, you have to stand tall because you've got to be able to move. You know, you can't move if you're bent at the hips at all. So he gets tackled into Schumann. What is Schumann meant to do? Where's he meant to go? Like what what well, else? Can one, he do? one of those ones that looks worse in slow motion. Yep. Yeah. Because you see it, but and actually, like you say, you and Ashman, who's playing really well as well, um, knocks him across into him and it's head and head because the corner coach has got the replays in front of us and they turn around and say it's a definite red card. No I way. Saw, well, I, yeah, I I, th I, th I thought it was probably. A yellow, but I wouldn't have been surprised if they said that's it's just head contact, it is a penalty. Yeah. But well, not not I'm all head contacts right. can be penalties, mind. Like you, you've got to remember that because there are accidents that happen. I just I just thought 
it wasn't his man. He's tackled into him. He's got no time to react. Head-on-head collision is made, but it is an accident in the game. Yeah. But we'll move on quickly. Dragons, 10. Leinster, 33. Not a huge surprise. <laughs> they deserve no, to win. No. They should have won. <laughs> All the Welsh <laughs> Uh, but have you seen the red card to Tame Bashan? Yeah. No, uh, I didn't mate, see it yet, Shanks. Oh, Stevie, it's like rugby 30, 40 years ago. Like um, Ross Burns going back to kick and he's running backwards. And he, as he picks up the ball and turns, like, instead of just trying to tackle um, Tame Bashan, he just holds his elbow up and just tries to go for his head. And he hits his head. Luckily, he doesn't hit him full on. It sort of skims the top of it, If I, I think. But it looked, the more you watch it, the more you think, oh my God, that's, you'll get a big bow for that because it wasn't accidental. It was, he, he looked like, um, the position he was in looked like he wanted to do damage and was going for the head. And that's the thing that will kill, like the Dragons are not, not that any team can deal with that or want to do that, but you need your best players and he's one of them. So yeah. It's, it's always going to be a tough ask, Leinster. Like Dan Sheehan was brilliant at the weekend. Like there's a there's a clip of him for the Frawley try, and the Dragons fumble the ball, and Charlie Natai picks it up. Who's just Clark another again. great signing, and one of those Leinster signings that just happens, you know, not by accident because they do a lot of research and they make sure they get the right people from. Because he's going to play every week for Leinster, regardless of who's back, who's fit, whether. Um, Henshaw or Ringrose plays. You, you need players like that in your, in your team that are available all year round. He was brilliant at the weekend. Um, he gets the intercept, but then it's the, it's the work from Sheehan to get back and he ends up just giving a one-two with Frawley, which makes the try. He's He is so class. Good. He is one of my favourite players. Yeah, no, he's so good. I think just a question from me about Leinster and maybe the Irish system. I, I think I touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but with the four-year cycle now, heading towards the Rugby World Cup. Do you think the likes of Henderson, O'Mahony, obviously Sexton's gone, Keane Healy, Jack Conan, Connor Murray, Henshaw, Aki, uh, McCluskey, do you reckon it's a, a change now where we need to bring in, you know, the Keelan Blade, we need to bring in Ram Baird, we need to bring in Jack Boyle, we need to bring in the Jimmy Ford. Osbournes, we need to bring in the big Joe McCarthy's. You know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so. At some stage, you're going to have to integrate them in, aren't you, John? They're good enough, aren't they? You've just got yeah. all this talent yeah. sitting below them, a load of guys at between that, I guess, 20 and 23-year-old kind of bracket who are so hard to get in that team over the last couple of years because of what it's, they've done. But they've got to dig tough, a big isn't it, as a coach? Because if, if you're Andy Farrell, that you know, you, you're judged on winning and you know you can win with probably the current crop for another year or two. Um, but then after that, at some stage, there's going to be injuries and they're going to retire. And you want to make sure that when players do come in uh, and players leave, that they're not coming in with zero experience. You know, so you, you've got to build that experience up as you go along. So that's that's the balance of of coaching, of how to do that, because you are judged on winning, but you know, you're looking to the future as well. Well said. Thomas, um, rants mm. of the week, lads. Anyone got one? Um... No, I don't, I don't think I do, mate. Um, I know oh, I'll have one by a good week. the end of the day. And I'll be airport security again. But apart from that, no. Well, airport security on that. I, oh, I say it all the time, mate. Those people who aren't, people aren't getting hey? it. In, in, uh, in April, they're not going to ask you to, in all the airports to take your stuff out. And you can bring two litres of liquids in your, in your hand luggage. So. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. just, it's just people who just don't get ready, like don't take the belt off. and don't <laughs> Two litres of vodka for shanks in the plane to Hong Kong. Yeah. Do you drink on plane shines? Have a few. I have been known, John. I have been known. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not on my own, though. I do. It's bad. A couple of Bloody Marys on a plane. That's nice. There's a record, oh, right? Andre God. the Giant. No. Is it Andre the Giant? No. Yeah. Who, yeah, who, yeah, it was Andre the Giant. 50, 50 cans of beer he had or something. More. I think it was like 150. 200 you know you've got lots of money when you drink Bloody Marys, don't you? Anybody I, I know drink. who drinks Bloody Marys is very rich. I only drink on planes. Listen, lads, you, Steve, you're on holiday. I'm, I'm I'm grinding here. You're the only one on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> right, come on, John. We haven't got much time yeah, left. We haven't, we haven't. We'll move on off. Man standing. Now, I did win it last right. week. Producer Ben confirmed that. So, 
This no, week, no, we'll sort that out. No, one knows George, no, doesn't doesn't stand. Um, Stewart's inquiry. Um, England match day twenty two from the two thousand and three Rugby World Cup final. Go first, Shanks. Martin Johnson. Okay. And K. Steve Thompson. Um, uh, Jason Robinson. Uh, Johnny Wilkinson. Matt Dawson. Will Greenwood. Will um, uh, Vex Vickery. Is that his name? Ben, ben Cohen. Mike Tyndall. Bench is going to be hard. Uh, Neil Back. <laughs> Richard Hill. Lawrence Lanier. Um, I've got a good one. Yeah, else in the back row, back row. Well, you've said Hill, Delanio, Lewis Moody. Mike Cat. Josh Luke. Josh Luke. Oh. Kieran Bracken. Trevor Woodman. Oh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and hooker now, sub hooker. I've got two options. Um, yeah, Orion West. I think you're right. Martin Corey. Jason Leonard. It's already been said. No, it's not. Jason Robinson was said. It's a second uh, row we've got there. <laughs> Which you know we don't, because only... Second row. Oh. I think it's a back three player. That's all that's left. Back three. Oh, no, I, I know it. I got it. No, I don't. One name left. It's got to be back three, isn't it? Because it's Mike Cat, Kieran Bracken. Oh, um, it's not going to get to me anyway. Uh, this is no, this it's not him. It's not. I was going to say this isn't what I'm going to say. I was thinking Stuart Abbott, but it's not. It is going to be. Um, ooh, Ian Bolshaw. That's it. That's it. Done. Did we do it? We completed the game. It. Completed it, lads. One point each. One point each. Stevie's first. That's point good going. Board. That's, That's good, good going, boys. Well done. And that's well done. why they get all the corporate gigs because we still know all their names. Uh, <laughs> that's blockbusters. That's blockbusters. That's we should go through the coaching staff for bonus points. No, we won't. Because um, I've got to go. Um, quickly, let's run through um, the weekend's games, lads. Um, Friday night, Ulster versus Lions. Ulster by 20. Oh, all right. I'll just go Ulster by, no, by a win. Ulster. Zebra versus Cardiff at home for Zebra. Zebra for me. Yeah. Oh, Edinburgh Shanklin. Edinburgh Bulls. This is an interesting one because Edinburgh kind of come up against a real big pack for the first time really this year and see how they get on with them. Edinburgh. I'm going to say Edinburgh. Bulls. You hate, why do you hate the Scottish team so much, Stevie? It just hates us, mate. It just hates us, yeah. Hate life. Um, Sharks versus Connor in Durban. Sharks. Sharks. Connor. Uh, Dragons, Ospreys. Hey, the good news is we'll have one Welsh win at the weekend because we've got a derby. This Dragons, cool. Ospreys. Um, Australia. <laughs> Australia. I'm Ospreys. Going. They're, they're, I think they're going to be the, 
the best Welsh team this year. Ospreys, I agree. Munster Stormers. Monster. Monster, I agree. Glasgow Benetton in Glasgow. Glasgow. Glasgow, Glasgow. Leinster Scarlets in Dublin. Leicester. Leinster. Leinster. Nice yeah. and easy. Well, lads, that's um, all we've got time for. I've got to get to the airport. Shanks, you've got to get to Hong Kong. Stevie, you've got your appointment with your consultant. So let's not get in the way of that. Um, remember, you can see all this week's games on Viaplay. So tune in and watch them. And before we leave, uh, Stevie has been chatting to the guys in the Bulls camp to catch up on the week ahead. Jake White, um, Bulls head coach, thank you so much for joining us on the URC Unloaded. Pleasure to have you on. And thanks a million for giving up your time. We really do appreciate it. First of all, you're sitting top of the log, top of the table. What a start to the season. Yeah, it's. Uh, I must say, it's um, it's good considering when you look how difficult it is to win away from home uh, for anybody. Um, so to have our, you know, to have after four rounds when we've played three rounds away, uh, to have the, the start we've had is obviously very pleasing. So... Yeah, but the job, you know, as we all know, a lot of sides. You look at Munster last year, they started slowly and ended up winning the competition. And, and the year before, the Stormers did the same thing. So, you know, a, little, a lot to be a lot to be happy about, but we're obviously very aware of the fact that it's still a long way to go. Tell us a bit about just the way that you're playing at the minute. Most points scored, most tries, most attacking meters gained. We're used to just seeing a bit of a, a par game from the Bulls. That's what they're renowned for. Obviously, you still have that weapon up your sleeve in abundance, but has there been a slight change or is it just because of the opposition that you've played in recent weeks? No, well, look, last year, we, funny enough, I think we scored the most points as well in the competition. Um, and in the Curry Cup, our domestic competition, we also scored the most points. But the one area we probably were weak on is we leaked a lot of points as well. Not necessarily tries, but we leaked a lot of points. We lost a couple of games last year where we outscored them with tries, but we conceded too many penalties. So to answer your question, we we spent a lot of time analyzing how we can cut down our error rate, cut down our decision making and our and our penalties we give away. Um, and you, you're right, the DNA of the Bulls is to be power and, uh, you know, be powerful to have you know, big, strong forwards like we've always had to do well in the set piece. But uh, you know, in the time I've been with the Bulls, we've also tried to balance our game around a, a little bit more. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to have coached in Japan, Australia, um, and France. And I think all the lessons I learned in those countries has, has helped me take the Bulls from being known as a as a power team and a, and a forward-dominated team into a team that can score either through the forwards or through the backs. Just you mentioned it there about your your coaching CV and and some of the teams that you've you've worked with. How does the URC competition? You're now into year three with the South African teams involved. How does it compare to the top fourteen, to the Curry Cup that, that you referenced, to Super Rugby? Um, there are a lot of there are a lot of similarities. Um, there are a lot of a lot of things that are also very different. Um, and if I can elaborate on those. Yeah, URC shows that it's very tough to win away from home. And if you consider the, you know, the the top 14 in France is is as tough. You know, it's uh, it's almost impossible to win away from home. So there, there's a similarity there. Um, I think I think the conditions when you when you coach in France as well are, are similar to URC in that you can play in summer months when it's when it's nice and dry and hot, and you can play in winter months or you can play in in certain venues where there's snow on the ground. I remember playing in Grenoble where we had to clear the snow <laughs> off the off the field before we could kick off the game. So the similarities in, and, and differences in that. And then I think, uh, yeah, I suppose the, the exciting thing is that rugby is the same all over the world. You, know, you still need a tight five. You still, you still need a goal kicker. You still need all the things that you, you need to have in place, a good captain. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that's never going to change as well. So, it's it's uh, having coached in Super Rugby as well. I think that you know, yeah, we speaking. We we didn't think we'd spend so much time away from home, and I'm, and I'm in week four of a tour, so it, it's a little bit similar to the fact that we toured for four weeks as well. Um, but saying that, yeah. you know, time zones were very different in in uh, in Australia, New Zealand compared to South Africa. Whereas, yeah, you know, you sort of um, time zone wise, you're still in contact with with home, and and also. 
players feel that they sort of an overnight flight away from home. So it's it it is it is as I said, every tournament's got its unique little traits, and it's there's certain things that are similar, things that are different. But I must say, just from a South African point of view and from a Bulls point of view, we're very happy to be in URC. We're very happy to to be playing in the Northern Hemisphere, and in year three. You know, we're starting to learn all the things that we should have learned along the way as well. Brilliant. Well, you, you talked about this sort of mini tour that you're on at the minute before you head back home. Last game before you do jump back on the plane is against an old pal of yours from the shark, sh- Sharks, Sean Everett. How's that, uh, that going to work itself out when you both catch each other's eye um, on at the weekend? Yeah, it's look, he's not just an old friend. I mean, I coached with him at the Sharks. It's quite, uh, I've known him a long time. And then he came and spent a little bit of time at the Bulls at the back end of last year as well. So probably knows a little bit of the intel of the of the Bulls setup. Um, and he's a good coach. You know, he's uh, he's been around. He's uh, he's obviously a bit of a seasoned campaigner now. And I'm sure he wants to do well at Edinburgh. Um, so we'll, you know, nice, the nice thing about rugby is we'll probably catch up for a dinner tomorrow night, spend some time together. Um, and then whatever, you know, whatever happens on, on uh, Friday will happen. Hopefully we'll get to play each other again in the playoffs, um, which means that both teams will then do relatively well in the competition. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's not just, I mean, if I look at the cross-pollination of all the coaching staff now, you've got Jock Niedarber going to Leinster, who was with the Springboks. You've got, you know, I just look around and, and all the time we're bumping in. Graham Roundtree was in England, is now coaching at Munster. You know, there's so many... So, and if they assistant coaches as well, there's so many assistant coaches that are now in different franchises. They all know each other. And I suppose that's also the challenge that you have now is that a lot of those coaches know each other. They know the style that they want to play. You know the sort of triggers they have when they do their coaching. Um, and that's what makes it so, I think it makes it a special competition, this URC, because you've got to have to de- develop and you're going to have to change certain things. You can't do the same things every year and expect that you're just going to keep winning or you're going to keep being competitive. Absolutely. You, you talked, you're talking about the Bulls an awful lot here, Jake. Um, I was chatting to Bobby Skinstad and I asked him, you know, what's your thoughts on Jake White? And he says, this guy is a rugby man through and through for the last 20 years. So tell me, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? What keeps you at the wanting to perform at the top um, with a, an unbelievable side like the Bulls and go on and try and write a bit of uh, another little tick on your rugby CV to, to try and go and win a URC. What keeps you motivated? Well, look, I'm, I'm very, you know, obviously Bobby, I've known Bobby again also a long time. And, you know, I've been coaching for 41 years now. I started coaching in 1982. Um, I started coaching first 15 rugby in 1983, schoolboy rugby, which is very competitive in South Africa. And I think the answer to your question is, I just love coaching. I love, you know, the, I love the fact that you can see it's it's like a blank canvas every season where you get to, you get to paint another picture. Um, and you know, even though you might have one or two guys that are the same, generally every year is different. You know, you get different coaches, you get different senior players, you get senior, junior players who grow. You're older. You, know, you get competition that's different. You get different venues. Um, you know, if I use my example, you know, now I'm coaching in the URC. We spend time today as I, as I sit in Edinburgh, went and had lunch in the middle of the city. I mean, those are things that you just can never take for granted. It's a, it's an incredible, firstly, it's a great occupation. It's a great vocation, um, but it's also a very privileged one. And so the things that keep me yeah. motivated is, I suppose, when I hear Bobby say what he says, makes it makes it worthwhile as well, because you do then feel like you've impacted some people's lives. Um, but the you know you anyone who's played international sport or be competed at the highest level also knows what it's like to win. And you know I've obviously been very fortunate, won won a few times, and and I and I and I long to to experience those feelings with a new group of players. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a little bit of everything. I suppose it's the love that I have, but it's also it's also the fact that I know what winning feels like, and it's and it's an unbelievable feeling when you put uh, put a little jigsaw puzzle together. And you watch it, you watch it sort of the last jigsaw piece falls into place in a final and you end up winning it. It just gives you such great satisfaction, whether you're a young coach or an old coach. I think it's uh, I think it's exactly the same feeling. That's nice words to hear. Jake, it's great to hear that you have such a, a love for the game still. Um, Bobby also mentioned that 
you like to play golf a lot and you're extremely good with uh, a pretty low handicap. Would you like to elaborate? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, look, I, I played golf as a youngster. Um, you know, in South Africa, we have great weather. So you spend a lot of time on a golf course. Um, in fact, I, I lived on a golf course as a young boy and I, I got a, I got an opportunity if I got a scholarship to American University, which I didn't accept because I, I was already halfway through my, my teacher's uh, diploma. Um, so I've always enjoyed golf. Um, I will say this, that my golf hasn't got any better in the last couple of years. I think, <laughs> I think what's happened, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the, it's the circumstance I'm in. I think, um, you know, with a lot of work put into the bulls now, they don't really have time as much as I'd like to, to play. I, I think there's a correlation between the fact that if your team's doing really well, your handicap can come down. I think if your team's doing badly, I don't think your handicap can come down. So it, it is, it is something that I enjoy. And, and I like to get away sometimes and spend some time with a lot of rugby guys play golf as well, I think, which is also nice. So you, even on yeah. the golf course, you talk about a rugby. Um, and yeah, and, uh, and I've met some wonderful people on a golf course as well. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you can, you can really interact with different kinds of people on a golf course as well. And, and I use a lot of analogies to be fair, Stevie, I, I use a lot of analogies about golf in, in my rugby talk to the players. You know, one of the things about pressure of making a cut on a, you know, on a Friday afternoon when it's your livelihood, you know, that's pressure. You know, when you're playing rugby, people talk about pressure and yes, it's, it is a pressure, you know, pressure situation, but it's not like it's, you know, every, every Friday you got to play for your, for your life. Um, what I would like yeah. to to get my players to do is to enjoy the opportunity to win tournaments on the 18th hole of a, of a big major. That's, you know, those are the sort of analogies I use is that, you know, we got to be good enough to make the cut every week on a Friday and, and give ourselves a chance to walk down the fairway on the 18th and win and win tournaments. And that, I suppose that has also helped me in, in getting the young generation now um, to understand about how pressure in sport actually works. Oh, quality. I love that, Jake. Um, a team that has walked down the fairway and sunk the winning putt is South Africa winning the Rugby World Cup. Just give us a, a view on how the, maybe the URC has contributed to helping the players, you know, play at a, a, in a more competitive league. And, and in your personal opinion, has that maybe helped the national side, you know, leading into a Rugby World Cup? Uh, you know, Stevie, it's it's a really interesting thing because a lot of talk in South Africa about should we allow players to play overseas, you know, and uh, and you know my view on that. I've I've said it many times. I think I'd like the players to play in South Africa and play for their franchises. And and obviously, I'm wearing my literally wearing my Bulls cap, and and it's something that I think if you want the best players to be in South Africa, it helps the franchises. But, you know, the interesting thing is there were about 15 players playing in this World Cup. And I think maybe, you know, probably 10, 11 of them played in the final that played in the URC. So that just says yeah. something for you. The Dwayne Vermeulens, the Kitsoffs, you know, the Eben Etzebets, the Kirtley Orenses, the, you know, that says something for the competition as well. So as much as, you know, our model of having been able to pick foreign-based players and players playing abroad it has worked in this cycle, um, I don't think we can ever underestimate the value of what has happened in our domestic game through the URC in producing players like Kirtley Orenser, who came from nowhere, Kane and Moody, who came from nowhere. Um, you know, I, I, I generally think that, that that won't be overlooked. I think people will see the value of of using the URC as a as a catalyst for those players. But saying that, Stevie, I I, I have also said it many times. I I genuinely would like to see all the best players playing in the URC for the franchises. And I'm talking about the South African yeah. franchises. Imagine, you know, example of uh, the Arceus Neymans who at Munster are playing. I know they're playing in URC, but imagine him playing for a franchise or, you know, or, you know, uh, Malcolm Marks who's in Japan or Jesse Creel who's in Japan or, you know, Chesden yeah. Colby who's in France. Can you imagine those kind of derbies? And the kind of support we'd have in South Africa if, if our public could get to see those players play every week as well. And and you know, as I said, selfishly or or biasly wearing my bulls hat, that's where I would like to see us get to is where we just like the Irish teams in, in a lot of ways, you know, the the internationals play for Ulster and Munster and Leinster and Connacht and they play against each other and, and those are massive games and they and they're wonderful for the URC and I I sort of wish that we can have that in our in our domestic competition as well, where we can have all our Springboks playing against each other 
in a franchise game in the URC. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, those Christmas, New Year's Eve fixture, New Year's Day fixtures when Ulster are playing Leinster up in Belfast, like it's the crowds, they sort of map their year out around those certain fixtures just to come along and support the sides. But before I let you go, Jake, just a quick one. How far can the Bulls go this season? Was there a flip chart put up six weeks ago before your first match saying the goal to win the league or... Was there a few other goals that came before that? Um, look, Stevie, I think any coach who's, who goes into a competition wants to win it. Any group of players that trains in the offseason, you know, have those motivating days where you know it's all about make, making sure you give yourselves a chance. Uh, we came so close two years ago. Last year, we, we lost to the finalists again. Um, you know, I really believe in it. It's not, it's not just because... You know, I'm the Bulls. We, we've we spent a lot of we spent a lot of time on developing the squad. We always knew that the team generally takes about three to four years in any in any environment to get to their best. So the expectations um, from our supporters and from our group would be that you know this year we should we should be we should be good enough to win the competition. And and if we're not, you know, it'll be because it won't be because we haven't tried hard enough. It'll be because you know because things didn't go our way. So. Um, you know the expectation. We we come from you know no different to the to the the Irish provinces and no different, I suppose, to any of these big franchises. You know the expectation back home is they bulls the bulls need to win and and we came close and we have spoken about it. And sometimes when you miss out as closely as we did a couple of years ago, it drives you to 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 perform even better. And and yeah, I'm hoping that 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 motivation of of you know, almost being there and doing it will 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 grow this group and 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 it has grown the group. I mean, already on this tour, you know, we were unlucky not to get you know three points against Ulster in the last play of the game, and and Ulster always there and thereabouts. Uh, great great game this weekend against Edinburgh, which will again show us where we are. Um, so yeah, I, we 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 put a lot of effort in, and and we you know we're not gonna we're not gonna want to fall short because we haven't tried hard enough. Our expectation is to is to try and win the URC. Um, and yeah, and and do as well as we can in the other competitions as well. I like that, Jake. Watch out for the Bulls, but best of luck for the remainder of the season. Best of luck this weekend against Edinburgh. I can probably reiterate what Bobby says you are a rugby man through and through. So, thanks so much for your time, and uh, I'll hopefully catch up soon. Cheers, Jake. Thank you. Thanks, Stevie. Awesome.